Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. to mean that uh, we're invited to abandon mindfulness now. You know, it's known uh, to be uh, always welcomed, always welcome to be conscious of, uh, you know, of the environment. Just this would be quite something, conscious of the environment, conscious of uh, the body, conscious of what's happening, yeah, what's happening inside and outside. Interested, curious, caring about what's uh, what's happening. So even as I share ideas here, uh, that could be a really good practice to uh, receive the ideas from uh, from a place of uh, I want almost want to say from a place of uh, faithfulness of uh, being faithful to to oneself, not abandoning oneself in ideas, you know, but staying here, staying here, seeing how these idea impacts. Uh, the system. Uh, so staying here and not departing and uh, yeah, allowing the ideas to come come to you, you know, and to pass through and some will resonate more than others. Uh, can it be okay? So why is effort, why is effort? It's a, it's a very beautiful uh, aspect of the practice, of the science, or the art of practice. Uh, learning uh, what kind of uh, you know, effort to, to make, what kind of energy uh, to bring. And there's all kinds of ways to talk about this. Uh, there's a, the theme of the retreat is the four wise efforts, but there's, there's many ways to, to talk about it. Sometimes we talk about uh, the kind of initial effort that comes with uh, a kind of um, enthusiasm for practice, you know, like, wow, this is far out, you know, I want to try it, you know, and there's energy, and, uh, and uh, this initial inner energy is, is good to help us go through, you know, the habits of mind, of, you know, of very discursive mind that wants to comment on, uh, on everything and to uh, and then there's a uh, there's another kind of a effort or uh, that I talked about that is often very often talked about uh, Gil I hear myself a lot I don't know if uh, ah, ah yes a little bit better for me yeah thank you um, I don't know if it's okay for you, yeah. And uh, thank you so much. Um, and this kind of w- this kind of way to talk about effort is very very common uh, 
in uh, the teachings and on retreat, we talk a lot about this uh, continuity. So it's it's a little different than the four kind kinds of effort, but it can mix well with it. But the continuity in practice, meaning uh, you know these like this not giving up, not forcing, this uh, keep calmly, knowing change. So there's a steadiness, and that makes can make the the practice more sustainable, and it needs it needs time to establish that steadiness. I would say a few, good few years, a good first decade of practice to, you know, um, even though it's, you know, I don't know if I can say it's never going to be perfect, but it it remains shaky and unstable and uh, more or less reliable. But the, there's a way that we learn, and the way that I. I think that's why I like this practice so much is that the the learning, the the knowing is experiential, it's empirical, it's phenomenological. So we can put words into this and it points, but it's never like the experience of knowing for oneself what is the right amount of energy. It's amazing to me that we don't even need the word effort or energy or we don't even need concept. This is what we call vipassana. It's felt. It's known. And through practice, we discover what is forcing, what is not forcing, what is giving up, what is not giving up. And it's, uh, it requires a lot of research. And it's definitely worth it. Uh, and, and so we, this always is um, referring to a, a kind of knowledge that is, yeah, I don't know the other words, experiential. It's known from from within the field, from the experience itself. And so the teachings are always pointers, they're words, they don't do the job. The job is done by us, uh, by living uh, with this mindfulness, this this mind that is uh, attentive, maybe attuned, curious about, and that makes discoveries in experience. And, you know, um, well, I wanted to say this, so that this wise effort, where, where, where do we see this in the Buddhist teachings? So one place where we see it is in the, what we call the, it's a description of the path, the path to well-being, to healing, to awakening. The path sometimes is divided, as maybe, maybe you know in in the eightfold path, it has eight aspect to it. Wow, it's way too many just for this weekend. You know, we're not. Maybe I'm, I can just like you don't even have to remember this. You know, we we have, it takes time to you know unfold these eight folds. You know, it's but just to name it. You know that the path to happiness in Buddhism, to well-being, to to uh, unconditional peace and freedom uh, includes wise understanding of the nature of reality. This is what we're playing with here by becoming attentive and diving under our preconceived ideas about things. You know, going back to uh, inspect or dissect maybe the, the, the building blocks of reality. So a wise understanding of the world, happiness, if you will, is made partly of this, a wise understanding. We have a lot of confusion about reality, how it works. And through these practices here, and the study of the 
of the, the Buddhist teachings and psychology through meditation, we can understand better how life works. And then uh, there's an aspect called wise intention. Uh, so what unwise intention is greed, ambition, hatred, harmfulness. You know, these are not onward leading, not healing. Uh, and the wise uh, intentions are benevolence, maybe harmlessness or protection, generosity or renunciation uh, are beautiful. But we have to discover this for ourselves. We might have to list. It's worth nothing. We have to go and check this out. Let me resent this person a little bit more. It feels really good. How could it not be in the list of good intentions? intentions? I have the intention for you to pay. It feels really good. It feels really right. <laughs> Let's stay with this a little bit and see, and see where it leads. You know, see if it's for my, truly for my benefit or not. You know, we have to explore this. And then there's something called uh, wise action wise speech you know in the text it says for example just about speech we have in the mouth an axe with an axe you can build a refuge with an axe you can destroy what's around you so there's the suddenly the becoming really aware of the power of the mouth or thumbs, depending on the situation you're in, you know, of communication. So wise speech, wise. Um, another one is wise. Uh, I will s- translate it uh, now by thinking of Temple Temple Smith. Uh, wise lifestyle. You know, you want happiness. Be attentive to your lifestyle. Are you earn money? Are you spend money? Are you spend time? You know, there's all kinds of ways that unknowingly we're destroying the well-being we might have gained. You know, it seems almost obvious, but also deep to me. Like wow, these are areas that I want to be really careful about. How how I understand the world, what are my intentions, how I act in the world. Uh, how I speak, you know, can lead to, you know, myself to, can lead to protection, protecting others, protecting relationships, you know, wise lifestyle. And then, ah, number six. Is it number six? I think it's in the, yeah, it's number six, right? (laughs) That would be so funny. Uh, so let's not number it <laughs> for now tomorrow I'll check double check now it's too complicated for me to do the count here now so wise effort wise effort and often when it's uh, uh, presented it will be presented like this what will be the efforts that will make that will be helpful well something will abandon something will avoid some things will uh, invite and some things will cultivate, make uh, stronger in, in us. And then there's wise mindfulness. 
and wise concentration. This is the path to happiness uh, put in the eightfold way. And you can research this later. But, you know, if the Buddha divided happiness in eight aspects, it, it's interesting that he gave a whole aspect to effort, isn't it? Seems like it's worth checking out, you know. There's another way to also present effort. Sometimes it's also linked, very, very much linked to energy. Almost, almost synonym sometimes, it seems, in the teachings that we talk about energy or effort. And an image that might be useful for us to understand this is the... Uh, we can imagine three uh, young uh, people, three young, three child, children, and they want to uh, pick in a tree maybe a fruit or a beautiful flower in a tree. And, but it's, it's too high for any one of them. But they, decided, they decide together uh, how they can reach this fruit or uh, this uh, flower. And so, they, some, so one says, oh, you can come on my back, you know, and then we'll be higher. And will reach the and so one goes on the back of the other, and another one comes in the back and s- helps steady the two leg of the one sitting by, and three of them can reach uh, the flower or the or the fruit, which symbolizes here awakening <laughs> wisdom, <laughs> how to gain wisdom or discernment. So these three uh, young. Persons, these children are are uh, mindfulness and um, energy, you could say, or effort, and uh, maybe something of the calming factor, concentration or calm. So there's a to reach, to reach the gold or here fruit or flower. It needs a mixture of effort and relaxation, calm, uh, something like this, concentration, some, an energizing factor like effort and a calming factor and mindfulness. And together, uh, the three of them can reach uh, wisdom, which is the you know, liberating element. And so effort becomes really important. And the wise effort, because there can be you know, unwise effort and you'll see this, you know, in all kinds of ways in our lives. But just to talk about retreat, because we're on retreat, you know, we can practice in ways that are exhausting, you know, and we're, you know, we're, we're, yeah, exhausted at the end, and we kind of give up, and and it was not sustainable effort. So it takes a lot of research to find again in a felt way what it means. And I'd like to say just around this, my, a few words about my, I think, discoveries around abandoning. And I'm choosing this one again, somehow I have an affinity with this abandoning. Uh, but there, um, in French we have this uh, expression, I'm sure there's something as efficient <laughs> as an image in English, but uh, vase communicant, translated in English would be communicating vessels, which I think doesn't ring any a bell in any way. 
But it means, you know, when we talk about abandoning, we're somewhat talking about avoiding or cultivating. Because if we abandon something, something else is being cultivated. So we could take any of these four, and we would be, in a way, talking about the others. When we're cultivating something beautiful in the mind, we're abandoning what is not uh, uh, helpful. Because in Buddhist psychology, and that's an interesting thing maybe to check out, on the field of life, you know, it says that when there is a wholesome quality of mind, there cannot be an unwholesome quality of mind at the same time. They don't coexist in this way. It's interesting, huh? because let's say, what do we do then if somebody says, I'm mindful of being really angry right now? Is that even possible? That's interesting. So when I heard this, it was interesting to me to go check it out. And what I seem to be discovering is that actually it's true that it's not possible the two together. So I might be sitting here with some rage, let's say. It could be anything else, but let's take this one because it's dramatic. And so I'm sitting here with rage, like, I can't believe this, and I hope this person, myself or somebody else, irrelevant, <laughs> pay for what they did. And suddenly, whoa, whoa, big charge, big reaction, becoming mindful of my mind state. In that moment, maybe my heart is beating in red in the face, maybe hot, tense in the jaw, you know. And, and, but in that moment, there's no anger. In that, do you see what I mean? In that moment, there's just like, wow. And then the second after, but still, I hope they, you know, and then like, wow, strong reaction. I cannot have the two at the same time, the hate. But what I can have, though, is a lot of the, um, the maybe the ruins in the body, a lot of the, 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 the effects in the body. The body is not as quick as the mind, huh? Like I'll be on the other side uh, for a second waking up from an emotion and the heart is still kind of catching up, you know, like, oh my God, you know, that was heavy, you know. And so I'll be there and like, wow, and I can feel the contraction and all this in the body. But in that moment, there's not the hatred. Maybe the second after, there will be again, you know. Um, And um, yeah. So when, we, when there is a, a, a wholesome quality of mind, there cannot be... Uh, uh, that's what the teaching says. And to me, I always take this theory as uh, to be checked out in reality. You know? Somehow I, I got this as a young person at some point in my... You know, that theory was not absolute. I think maybe other people understood otherwise that theory was absolute, you know, and after we had to fit the theory. But somehow for me, my understanding of the world is that theory is, is to be checked out. I think it's because I come from the world of theater, and there is theory in theater, believe it or not. <laughs> and, uh, but the way my teacher taught me was like, oh, you know... This thinker, this Russian thinker about acting, or this American thinker about acting, this is how they theorized it. Let's go and check it out. Does that work when we play, you know? And so the theory is, is, comes from practitioners who have, you know, said, oh, when I practice, I notice this, this, and this. Let's organize it in concepts. And so I think it sounds like it's the same thing that happened to the Buddha, no? That was the first and foremost. <laughs> 
not a scholar, was a, a practitioner. And then they discovered that, oh, this leads to this, this leads to that, this works like this, and they organized the whole pedagogy or curriculum. You know. And so for me, I feel very uh, at ease with hearing, trying to understand, and going to see if it holds, if it works on the field there. And so about abandoning, my discoveries is that uh, abandoning is not a decision, you know, exactly. Like, okay, uh, here comes impatience, I'm going to aban- abandon it now. Like, it hasn't worked exactly like this for me. Maybe I'm, you know, my mind <laughs> is of a particular way that it doesn't work like this. I'm going to abandon it. It's, it gets the best of me, if that's the expression here, you know, often. But what I've noticed, though, is that by, and this is my old theory here, I call it the soaking technique. That's what I've been kind of forced or reduced to (laughs) in my practice, was to actually hang out with these uh, afflictive uh, or unhelpful uh, attitudes or emotions, to actually stay with them, study them, start to be awake, interested in them, change the relationship. And we talked about this, and I will again in the Q&A this morning, but I think it might be helpful for you also to consider. And so here's an afflictive emotion, uh, and it could be, uh, you know, self-hatred, blame, self-blame, or, or, uh, you know, despair, or discouragement, or the list seems endless. So, uh, and often how we are with these emotions is either we're uh, um, under the spell of them, so we buy into them, we think what they say is real, you know, and we're overwhelmed by them, or uh, we hate them, we don't want them, you know, I don't want to feel this, I don't want to... I don't want the self-hatred, I don't want the judgments I have around everybody else, or this, you know, this strong desire that I'm under the grip of, you know. It's either, yes, I really need this at all costs, or I, I don't want to, to experience this. And here we're uh, trying the middle way. The middle way is to actually become interested by the emotion while it's there, to actually feel it. Uh, and so, uh, and to me, for a while in my practice, and still now, it's not so much uh, abandon it, but more, it's more like stay. Stay a little bit. Stay here. Uh, you know, self-deprecation. Like, let me actually get to know you. Not in this way where I believe what you say, but as a, an event happening, a phenomena happening. Just to become more... Uh, to know it with more intimacy. Yeah. And it's not my first choice. My first choice would be to abandon it. But it doesn't work <laughs> like this for me. I have to be with it, to become aware of it, to wake up to it. You know. And so instead of just believing what it says, you know, people are so annoying, you know, in impatience. It's never gonna work. You know, like the what instead of being infatuated with what it's talking about to kind of turn the camera and feel, how does it feel to be like this right now in this uh, discouragement, dejected, oh, dejected, 
sort of naming the emotion and uh, and feel how does it feel in the body so becoming interested in the impact of it in the body and I don't know if you see there but and that's what we learn to do is to go in these uh, the word we use is investigation it, it's very particular it doesn't mean thinking about it means it means more like uh, a biologist in uh, you know studying an animal like coming close to and observing like um, Bani Duran uh, who lives down here in Seattle a great teacher also a researcher she, she talks about high quality data collection when she talks about mindfulness high quality data collection so just be here with dejection oh, dejected dejected naming and becoming interested how does it land in the body where is it felt is it here or here or here what's the ambience in the mind you know? and going in there with uh, really uh, more and more that's the cultivation part uh, well accompanied you know with my friends you know uh, wise effort and uh, some amount of calm or concentration so going in there so not like I don't want to feel this I don't no very slowly carefully like getting to know this oh, this is how it feels when there's de- dejection or discouragement things appear like this the past appear in a certain way suddenly the future appears in a certain way I appear in a certain way others appear situation appear in a certain way ah, look at this this is how it's felt this is what, how things appear appearances appearances the Buddha talks about mirage you know how things appear and learning to and by being there you know there's a, there is a cultivation by being there attentive to the effects of this on the body uh, on the perceptions what is being strengthened is mindfulness curiosity balance of mind maybe patience courage in the wake of mindfulness there's many really powerful qualities that are you know just ready to be born give them a little bit of wholesome mind and they will they will arise in time and that's what we do together we create the conditions you know we say hey hey here's a whole weekend friday saturday sunday let's go and get agitated in all kinds of ways you know? <laughs> no we say hey let's come together and bring some silence simplify and pay attention and we'll see all kinds of things appear in the mind that we don't see if we're busy doing a hundred things you know because we simplify we say just a few steps like this and then like that it's a little bit like this white screen here you know because the screen is like this you can you can it can you can project some things on it so the just sitting here is just perfect it's like a white screen you just sit there don't move for a few minutes and you'll see arrogance, dejection, uh, 
some kind of greed. I should have started this earlier. If I only had started this earlier, I'm never going to... How I compare to the other, my God, they all look enlightened. <laughs> I'm never going to... You know, and all what the mind, what the mind creates, you know, and it's not our fault, you know, it's for all kinds of conditions, that's what's come. But because of the simple form, widescreen, sitting, or walking very gently, we see what arises in the mind, the fears, the projections, or the beauty, the capacity to appreciate, etc. And in Vipassana, there's this particular kind of wisdom, discernment, intelligence, uh, and it's the and it's really developed in an empirical way. There's no other way to do this. It's empirical. It has to be felt. It has to be experienced with uh, consciousness. You know, so reading about it won't do it. It might help a little bit, but that's we are going for the real, uh, real way to uh, develop these uh, quality and this discernment, uh, wisdom, and so one particular kind of wisdom is that wisdom of a kind of inner sensitivity, that kind of inner intelligence. So that's the word is used for this vipassana, to, to understand deeply in a felt way. That's what it's meant. Not thinking about, but feeling. Um, an understanding of what attitudes are helpful and which one are not wholesome and unwholesome. The words in Pali are kusala and akusala. And you can get the list. I think I named this, you know, like, oh, in Buddhist psychology, you know, benevolence is welcome, and patience is welcome, and hatred and greed are unwelcomed, unhelpful. But that doesn't do it. For us, it's in, on the terrain, in the field, that we get to experience it. And it can be because it arises in ourselves, these, and we become more sensitive. We open the feedback loop by being attentive to body, by, you know, doing this, you know, kind of cute tish, you know, elevator thing, by, by feeling more. We open the, the feedback loop so that we can actually feel these things, feel more, and clarify for ourselves what is helpful and not in a really felt sense, in a felt way. And it might be because it arises in us, or it might be because we, through the process of sitting, walking, uh, being attentive, cultivating this presence, like making it more um, deeper, maybe more refined, but also more stable, establishing mindfulness, so it becomes more stable. We become more sensitive in the capacity to be sensitive, you know, so balance, inner balance. And then maybe it will be something somebody says or does, an action somebody does, and in it there is, you know, calm or benevolence, and we'll be touched more deeply than we are when we go with our superficial, uh, scattered attention in daily life. Because we have slowed down, we'll will be impacted by others and by the movements of our own minds in a way that we can recognize, oh, and I'm putting words into this, but this, all this process, in a way, is, is, 
can happen without any words because it's felt, it's felt when there's this harshness in the mind, you know, come on. It might also might be silent, you know, just like a, being brusque in French. Yeah, harsh. Yeah. And at some point, because we keep uh, bringing attention to stepping, to breathing, to hearing, to tasting, so we establishing this presence, this high-quality presence, and at some point will be highlighted something that was not highlighted in that way before, some harshness or some, and will be touched by this. And in the system, something will recognize, oh, no, no. You know, this habitual way of being is not, I'm putting words into it, but for us, it's felt. It's what we call insight. Uh, It's a a kind of insight. And so here we're developing an emotional intelligence, you know, and it involves soaking in different mind state and... uh, You know, I can walk and sit with despair, walk and sit with despair, and at some point, you know, maybe there's the opportunity for some tenderness to arise, and it might come through the voice of another, or the attitude of somebody who's sitting around us, or we'll make it, and suddenly we'll get a little hit of tenderness, and it will be maybe just a little hit, almost nothing. But the system is open, is sensitive, and it will hit us, really. It will reverberate, it will vibrate in a way that we'll recognize, oh, this is the way. I'm putting words into this, but that might happen without words. It's just like, oh, when this person, you know, I don't know, folded their blankets or opened the door, or, you know, when we came back and there was this silence in the room, and suddenly something opened up, like the harshness fell away for maybe just a second. But we saw on the other side, we saw through it, we saw another way to be. And it becomes a reference. Maybe we don't have access to it again. You know, it's disappeared. But there was a a hit. Something was touched. This is the way I've seen this happen for myself, but for others also many, many times. Being in the role of the teacher, you know, with the conversation. People describe this a lot, a lot, a lot. Kind of uh, emotional insights, you know. Um, Somebody will say, oh, it took, you know, I was there for two days before I actually noticed a kind of impatience, like a kind of greed, impatient agitation, like I'm looking for the, give me the good stuff, give me the good stuff, I want, I want something, I want something good, you know. It was just, the attitude was there, but it was unseen. And at some point, just because of walking, sitting, paying attention as I'm eating, moving about, at some point, it's like, oh, what's this attitude? Suddenly, it becomes, uh, it's revealed, it's being revealed by mindfulness. It might have been there a lot, but it felt like true. No, no, it's true. I want the good stuff. When is the good stuff coming? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? It could, you, it could be like this, you know, sitting there like, come on, good stuff. I want the good stuff. It seems like it's helpful. This is the right way to live, you know, to wait for the good stuff, you know. And at some point, you're like, whoops, suddenly you realize, oh, what's this attitude? It's, and like this, we go 
it's a series of readjustment, of abandoning and uh, cultivating. And it happens naturally through the course of practice that there's these little or big insights, you know, where we discover, oh, this was the way, you know. Uh, I remember there was a time in the, the practice, just to give another example, there was a time in the practice where, uh, let me check the time, oh, it's time for walking. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Reality is more is more unstable and unreliable than <laughs> the printed sheet. <laughs> um, so I met, so so I was on the retreat and the conditions were such that there was a, some quietness, you know, and it was easy to be in the body and to stay. And sometimes the you know the bell would ring at the end of the of the sit. And uh, I was sitting there, and there was a lot of calm and joy, and things were easeful. And there was a sense that there was no need to actually move. Just being there was was a was a, a good a good place to be, you know. And uh, so I just would stay there. Everything was just quiet, uh, you know, not, nothing extraordinary, but just a, a quietness that was felt good and. And it felt like it was a good thing to cultivate this, to explore this, to, be, to navigate in these waters, you know, that are not, were not navigated often by this being, you know. Like, oh, let's stay here and explore, like, like soak this in a bit, you know. Like, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to be that uh, I'm not used to. And then people would start moving out, and what would kick in just, just after was arrogance, like... I hope they see that I'm extremely quiet right now. <laughs> and they're not, you know. And followed by this, there was shame. You know, like, what is that? Like, I don't want this. I don't want to feel this. This is horrible, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and I was really ashamed. I made it very personal. And, and at some point, I disclosed this to Joseph. I said, hey, Joseph, you know, when I sit, at some point there's a quietness, and it feels like it would be uh, wise to, to stay with it, uh, you know, to explore it more, because it's not something that is really well known you know, in this body, and to have really good impressions of what calm is could be good, <laughs> you know. And, but then the arrogance comes in, and, uh, and I, I hate it. I hate the arrogance. I... I don't want it, so should I move, you know? And he was like, no, st stay there. You don't, you don't have to move. Just, it's just, you know, something that arises in the mind. Just become curious about it. Don't, don't make it personal. It's not you. It's just, it happens, you know? Our arrogance arises. You don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to believe it. You just have to be curious about it. And, it, you know, and uh, then I sat again and uh, calm came towards the end of the sitting, the bell rang, and I was like, oh, I think I should explore this furthermore. And then ruffle, ruffle, people start to move. Ha, huh, I'm staying here. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, instead of going towards shame and wanting to get rid of, it was just like, oh, look at what happens in the mind. You know? And by not wanting to push it away or not believing in it, the two extremes, Suddenly it started to mean nothing. You know, it was when the conditions were there, arrogance would arise, but it would not be fed. 
and it would not be also, uh, you know, identified with and lead to shame or hatred or wanting to get rid of, you know. It was, uh, and through the, with the help of Joseph, the capacity to just recognize that, you know, arrogance, name it, be curious about it, and see what's, not, don't have to believe it so much. And so that's the process of uh, maybe abandoning um, some ideas about the process of abandoning in terms of uh, emotions, uh, mind states. You know, so the so what does the letting go is is not will. Letting go happens when there's a deeper understanding of the nature. When we understand deeply that this is not helpful. Uh, there's something that starts to shrink, you know. Vipassana sometimes also is uh, described as being uh, secouée, like shaken, like when we see uh, either this really with awareness the effect of uh, self-deprecation or self-disqualifying thoughts, you know. When we're habituated to believe in them or hate them, but when we actually catch it, in action, you know, you're just there walking, and suddenly the mind <coughs> clings to, you know, to a self that, you know, what do you look like? What do you think you're doing? You know, and we we are touched by it. It can um, shake us, like almost scare us in a way. Uh, and and then the mind recognizes, you know, like I can't afford this. It's not. This cannot be entertained. It's dangerous. Seeing the danger of something. Okay, I think I'll stop here for today and respect the schedule. So let's, uh, let's, let's just be here for a few moments in silence.
So just enough energy, just enough effort to experience the mind or heart, the state of the mind and heart, just as it is. Mindfulness, a little help, just a little help from effort and calm. Mindfulness will reveal what's there, just like the three children together can reach for the apple a flower with the help of a little slight little effort to turn towards to experience to feel and a little calm that we can reach inside or almost reach inside be very close to understanding Okay, let's go play with this or something else for the next, uh, let's see what happens during this walking period. And we'll come back here for the last sitting at uh, 4.15, so uh, in about 40 minutes, a little less than 40 minutes, I think. Okay, thank you.